You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustan Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hi, welcome to Catholic Saints. My name is Mary McGeehan. I work here at the Augustan Institute, and today I am joined with Dr. Liz Klein, professor here at the Graduate School. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. Today we are going to dive into another episode of The Life of the Saints. We're going to discuss the Maccabean martyrs. Uh, thank you. This is a wonderful story, um, and let's dive in. Yeah, so I think I'm going to get a reputation for talking about martyrs and... English and Irish English, yeah. <laughs> so, but Your favorite. Uh, but yes, but I do love uh, the story of the Maccabean martyrs. So for those of you who are not familiar with the story, it is a biblical story. It's found in the book of Second Maccabees. Uh, and there's the story of the martyr Eleazar in chapter 6, and then the martyrdom of the seven brothers and their mother in chapter 7. Okay. Uh, and I guess to give context, so these people are in the book of Maccabees. Uh, are they Maccabean? Is that their name or what? Right. Okay. Is so going good on? question. So the stories in First and Second Maccabees all pertain to the kind of Maccabean revolt against a ruler called Antiochus Epiphanes the Fourth. Okay. So Antiochus Antiochus Epiphanes the Fourth is uh, is Seleucid, so he's Syrian. So the Syrians and Egyptians often fight over the Levant, over the area of Jerusalem. It's between the two countries. It's an important trade route, lots of water. So they fight over control of it. Uh, and so there's this ruler, Antiochus Epiphanes IV, uh, and he's remembered in the Bible and history as a really, really bad guy. Uh, so he uh, is trying to suppress the worship of the Jews, and uh, the greatest horror is that he sets up um, the idol of Zeus in the temple in Jerusalem. Oof. So this is called like an abomination and a desecration of the temple. Uh, and so eventually the Jews revolt against Antiochus Epiphanes, specifically Judas Maccabeus. The word Maccabee just means hammer. Okay. So he's given this name because of his sort of military exploits uh, in overthrowing um, Antiochus Epiphanes IV and the whole like Hanukkah story and holding up in the temple. That's all from the Maccabees. Okay. Okay. So that's the first and second Maccabees. That's why the book is called first and second Maccabees. The, these martyrs are not from, they're not related to Judas Maccabeus. They're not part of the Maccabean family. They're just called the Maccabean martyrs because their stories told in Second Maccabees. Okay. So it's just kind of like, we were to say like the Genesis martyrs or something. That's what yes. their story is told. Okay. No, that is very helpful. And then one other quick question before we dive into their actual story. Why is the book of Maccabees in different locations of Catholic Bibles? Right. So the book, the Maccabees is one of the Catholic books of the Bible, so it's not found in Protestant Bibles. Uh, and so sometimes it depends on, there's actually not a lot of English translations of the Bible that are like Catholic translations. They're often Protestant translations that have been adapted to Catholics or like rewarmed Protestant versions or whatever. So sometimes Protestant versions will choose to put all the deuterocanonical books together in between the last prophet and the New Testament. Okay. So it's almost like this like additional yes. thing. And sometimes um, Catholic Bibles will choose to put them with their kind of proper location. So that would mean sometimes the Maccabees might be found like after Malachi, but before Matthew. And sometimes the book of Maccabees might be found with the other historical books like 
Deuteronomy. Yes. Okay. No, that is helpful. I, in my other Bible, I just remembered the Maccabees being, you know, the last book before the, one of the last books before the New Testament. And so in my head, I thought in salvation history, they were almost at turn point. Well, um, it is true that they're, they are, in fact, like in the second temple period right before okay. Jesus. So this is actually like a later historical yes. book. Uh, and this is part of why it forms a debate about the canonicity of the book because um, it's basically Protestants rejected Old Testament books written in Greek. And those are the later books. Okay. Uh, but the Maccabees is, is contained in the Septuagint Greek translation of the Bible that was used by all Jews in Jesus' time. So mm -hmm. that's a very short explanation of Great. canonicity debate of the Maccabees. But this Thank story you. is awesome, so I'm really glad it's in the Bible. Thank you. Yes. All right, well, let's dive in. What is the story of these martyrs? Right. So the, the story of these miners is under this evil ruler, Antiochus Epiphanes IV, uh, and he is attempting to get Jews to defile themselves by eating pork. Uh, and so you do have a kind of similar setup to what you might have in later Christian uh, martyrdoms where you kind of have this ruler who is like asking them to do perform some act that's going to be apostasy to their faith. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Maccabean martyrs refuse and so are killed. Uh, and so first you have the story of Eleazar, who's an old man at the end of chapter six. Uh, and he is asked to fell himself and he refuses. Um, and he has a really like kind of beautiful reasoning for it, which is basically like, I'm really old. Am I actually going to forsake my religion at this time? Like, I'm basically going to die soon anyway. Uh, and what kind of example would this give to mm. young people who know that Eleazar lived his whole life as a devout Jew and then, like, stumbled at the end? Mm. So mm -hmm. uh, he chooses uh, not to do that. With a great concern for the future generations. That's beautiful. Yeah. So he endures, yeah, endures terrible sufferings uh, uh, and the rack and beatings in order to be this witness to the younger generation and to mm. die uh, in purity of conscience regarding his faith. Uh, and then in He's chapter... one of the martyrs. Yeah, so Eliezer is one of the martyrs at the end of chapter six. And then the more famous one that you might be familiar with is the martyrdom of the seven brothers in chapter seven. Uh, so we don't have any a lot of background to who these seven brothers are. Tradition does give them names, but... Uh, we don't know who they are. It just says at the beginning of chapter seven, it happened also that seven brothers and their mother were arrested and were being compelled by the king under torture with whips and cords to partake of unlawful swine's flesh. So same as they're being asked uh, to eat pork. Uh, and then one of them acting as their spokesperson said, uh, what do you intend to ask and learn from us? For we are ready to die rather than tr transgress the law of our fathers. Okay, so that brother says that, and then the, the oldest brother won't eat and is killed. The next brother won't eat and is killed. And then the next brother won't eat and is killed. So this mother is watching all of her seven sons uh, die in front of her. And so it gets down to the youngest one. Uh, and so Antiochus thinks he can like really press the point and get the mother to help him hmm. um, sort of make him eat the pork and say like, spare your youngest, you'll have one son left if you... Uh, making me and the youngest son is is refusing uh, and the mother the entire time is actually like encouraging her children uh, and encouraging them on and I really love the mother 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 speeches they're very beautiful uh, so one of her speeches to her sons is found in uh, chapter 7 verse 22 uh, where she says I do not know how you came into being in my womb it was not I who gave you life and breath nor I who set in order the elements within each of you Therefore, the creator of the world who shaped the beginning of mankind and devised the origin of all things will in his mercy give life and breath back to you again, since you now forget yourselves for the sake of his laws. Okay, wow. so she just has this very theologically sound, very beautiful exhortation, which is that I actually 
do not own you. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I did not make the world. I did not make the elements that make up your body. It's God, the creator of all, who did that. And so I know that since God created you in my womb, that my God, my God can give you life back. And maybe we take the idea of resurrection somewhat for granted, or that's like a really core part of sort of Christian belief. But resurrection of the dead is actually debated in the Second Temple period between mm-hmm. different Jewish groups. So this comes out in Jesus's life, right? The Sadducees who say there is no resurrection Correct. of the dead. Uh, and so this is actually like a really hmm. big item of faith for her yeah. to say, like, well, basically the logic is God made everything. So I know that he can remake. I know mm-hmm. that he can bring back to life. And God is life, right? Yeah. And so to have, then this is like the very first principle of faith, right? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. This is the very first thing the Bible tells us. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Mm-hmm. So for her to say, this is like the most foundational item of Jewish faith and of Christian faith that God created the world. Uh, and because I know God created the world, I can trust him with the life and uh, everything to do with my sons and my own body. Wow. Uh, and I just think that's really striking. Yeah. Um, and it's I think it can give, I don't know, some extra oomph to the first article of the creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Uh, to profess that, for the Maccabees, to profess that is to say my whole life is forfeit and I forget myself for the sake of God's laws. If he created, the creator of everything, mm-hmm. if he ordered everything, if he knows everything, then like who am I to say this child belongs to me? Yeah. My life is my own. Right. Wow. That's, I've never reflected on that before. Um, and just such a radical uh, deep faith in that first sentence of our creed too. Yeah. And this actually, I mean, this is kind of a hobby horse of mine, like liturgy and martyrs. And, but the, but the early Christian martyrs virtually always quote the first line of the creed. (laughs) They almost always say when they ask them if they are Christian, they say, I believe in God, the father creator of heaven and earth, the season, all that is in them. Wow. Okay. And they'll say that over and over and over and over again. And you're like, why that? Why why that particular thing? Why not Why Jesus who died and rose from the dead? I mean, sometimes they say that too, mm-hmm. but they almost always say creator of heaven and earth. And I think it goes back to the same point that the Maccabean mother makes that once, once, you've, once you've admitted that there is a God who created everything, nothing is the same. And really believe it. I really believe your yeah. life is not your own at that point. Yeah. At that point, we can so forget ourselves according to our laws. So hmm. she says that she appeals to creation again later because then Antiochus says, um, he doesn't understand what she's saying because she's speaking in Hebrew, and he tells her, like, well, convince him, like, convince your son to to do this. So she says, um, again, she says something, like, my son had pity on me. So this is, sorry, this is chapter 7, verse 27, the middle of 27. Uh, my son had pity on me. I carried you nine months in my womb and nursed you for three years and have reared you and brought you up to this point in your life and have taken care of you. I love how suspenseful this is because you think she's going to say like, have mercy on me because I raised you and I'm your mother, so don't die. But she says, I urge you, my child, <laughs> to look at the heaven and the earth and see everything that is in them and recognize that not out of things that already existed did God make them. And so too, the human race comes into being. Do not fear this butcher, but prove worthy of your brothers. Accept death, so that in God's mercy, I may get you back again along with your brothers. Uh, so, and um, for those of you who are kind of familiar with uh, the theology of creation, you know, Catholics say that they believe in the doctrine of creatio ex nihilo, which means creation from nothing. All that means is we believe that God created the entire universe 
all of the forces, all of the elements. He created everything. He didn't like work from pre-existing material. Uh, that might seem like really obvious to us today that God didn't make from pre-existing material, but actually that's a very common understanding of creation. And even seems to be in the background of Genesis 1 that like somehow in their imagination, God maybe makes like formless matter first or like there's some kind of primordial stuff in the universe. This is very common in Platonism and other philosophical um, schools. And so the doctrine of creation from nothing, this is actually one of the strongest statements of that doctrine in the entire Bible, hmm. uh, is right here in the Maccabees, that God created uh, from things that did not, uh, yes. not from things that already existed did God create, make them. Uh, and so this idea that God can create from absolutely nothing. Yes. And so I know that no matter what this king does, no matter hmm. how low he grounds you, no matter how much, because right. she calls him a butcher, no matter yep. how much he chops you up, yep. that's still something. Yes. And we know that God can make from nothing. Yes. And so it's going to be okay. He's going to yeah. be able to give you back to me. And if you truly believe that, logically, of course, it makes sense that you can die if you are dying for that for that God, for that creator who can do anything out of nothing, um, how trustworthy uh, he is. And if we think about like what we're willing to do for people who like, I don't know, how, how worried we are about losing our jobs and losing our the source of getting money or um, losing our spouse and losing that like source of comfort in our lives. But how much more afraid should we be of losing the God who made, who gives us everything, mm -hmm. all things come from God. Mm -hmm. And yet we don't, I don't know that we're, Really we believe. fear it. Yes. St. Augustine says, uh, everyone fears death, but hardly anyone fears sinning. Hmm. Uh, but if you truly understood that sinning, in a serious way anyway, is the death of the God life of God life. in you, yeah. and that's your separation from God, how much yes. more would you fear separation from your spouse or separation from your job? Mm -hmm. And yet, do you fear separation from God? And that's yeah. all the Maccabees fear separation hmm. from God more than separation from their own yes. bodies, more separation from their own life. That separation from grace. Um, that's great teachers for us to look to. And as you're reflecting on creation, I was also just thinking of people we know who they encounter spiritual experiences in nature, in God, and or you know, in the mountains, uh, seeing a beautiful um, image outside, the sunset, et cetera. And if they really took that to that next step of, okay, you're having some type of encounter with this, a spiritual experience, uh, if you took the next step of who created that, um, and if if you could find out who was the creator, would you follow him? Would you trust that God? Uh, and would you think that, I mean, what their logic is, is like the one who made heavens and earth, this great architect, is also the architect of the moral law. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if you can look, so their logic is like you look at a mountain and you think how great it would be to, to transgress the moral law. And so just to take right. yeah to take that step further, like if you think the world is so beautiful and has design, would such a creator fail to create a plan for human life mm -hmm. and just be like, you know, playing MS Paint yes. with the world, just making right. nice, beautiful things yeah. and, and populating enjoy. it with, yeah, enjoy. <laughs> uh, or would they also be like the architect of the law? So they mm -hmm. see that that parallel, right? Yes. When I look to the mountains, I understand that this is the architect of my whole life. Interesting, including uh, a law and morality as well. So I wanted to, to like up the ante of like the Maccabees in our own life. I wanted to mention that the Maccabees are referred to in the New Testament. Oh. So the Maccabee, the Maccabean story is referred to in Hebrews chapter 11. Okay. Um, sorry, I didn't warn you. Left, <laughs> left fast. Uh, so Hebrews chapter 11, you may be familiar with it. It's a very famous chapter. It's often called the chapter of faith or like the hall of heroes or whatever. And it lists all of these heroes in faith. 
Uh, and I actually like love Hebrews. Hebrews is one of my favorite books of the whole Bible, and I wish people would read Hebrews more. So this is also me just sneaking Hebrews in. Um, but some <laughs> people think about like Hebrews chapter 11 as like, oh, isn't this so nice? Like all of these heroes and like, isn't the history of the church great? But the point of Hebrews chapter 11 is not just to tell you about all these awesome people in the past. It's to tell you how much greater your call is in Christ than all of these people who were awaiting the promise of Christ. Uh, so I'm just going to start at verse 32. So he's gone through, you know, uh, Abel and Noah, Abraham, Moses, Jacob, all these like really big heroes. And then he like lists kind of a whole bunch more in rapid succession. So this is in verse 32. He says, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, or made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put former armies to flight. Okay, and then in verse 35 is where the Maccabees are referred to. Women received back their dead from resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release uh, so that they might rise again to a better life. So referring to the Maccabees who were tortured and died in hope of the resurrection. Yes, um, okay. which was brutal. Which was brutal. <laughs> Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. I love that line about the saints, of whom the world was not worthy. Mm. And then this is, but this is the command to you after you've reflected on the Maccabees and all these other saints. And all these though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So, and none of these received baptism. Hmm. None of these received the promise of Christ. And all of them were awaiting perfection in Christ, right? Because we believe that before Christ harrowed hell, even all of these old saints, of the saints of the Old Testament couldn't enter heaven, mm -hmm. that they were in like limbo of the fathers, that they were waiting. So if you've ever yeah. seen that icon of the harrowing of hell, Christ is pulling up Adam and Eve and like David and Abraham. Mm -hmm. And so all of these who had such heroic faith and died were waiting for you and <laughs> what you had promised to you, right? So I mean, all of Hebrews is essentially an exhortation to Christians not to fall away from their baptismal graces. That's like, so Hebrews has all of these like little quotable verses that get kind of pulled out like the word of God is living and active, sharper yes. than any double-edged sword. But that verse is about God judging you if you sin after baptism. <laughs> like the word of God will judge yes. you. And so this whole faith chapter is like, think about these people, meditate on the faith of the hmm. Maccabees, what they suffered for God, their faith, and think that all these did not receive what was promised. You received what was promised, that and they should be made perfect. That. And so, yeah, to yes. live, that you have the baptismal graces, you have mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit, you have the Mass, you have Jesus Christ, who's the fulfillment of all these things. And so chapter 12, sometimes, you know, divisions of the Bible are misleading. Chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So chapter 11 is supposed to be an exhortation. Think of the lives of the saints. And of mm. course, now we have an even greater cloud of witnesses, all the, the saints of the church who follow after the biblical saints. Think upon them and how they live their lives and think about them watching you and knowing how the graces that you've been given. And if we think about us 
in the time we live in, mm-hmm. think about all of the benefits that we have. Yes. And then think all about- All the resources. Yes. Form.org. Run the race set before you. Mm. Um, and that's, I mean, that's just one of the most beautiful things about the saints in all the Bible anyway. It's a little daunting. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. You just take so much for granted how the inheritance of what we've received, you almost can get desensitized to the goal that we've been given. Absolutely. So, I think yeah. Hebrews, if you want to like, think about how great the gift of the Catholic faith is. I think Hebrews is wonderful to meditate on that because the whole book of Hebrews is talking about how how wonderful was the presence of God in the tabernacle, how wonderful and terrifying was Mount Sinai. Mm. But you have not come to Mount Sinai. You have come to heaven itself. You have come to the Eucharist, the table from which the Levites have no right to eat. Mm. And so mm-hmm. it's like, Think about how amazing yeah. this thing is, but then think about how that is totally fulfilled in what we experience today. And so that's Beautiful. the same thing as 11. Think about all the saints. Uh, think about the Maccabean murders, but then think about how they had hope of the resurrection without the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But we have the resurrection of Jesus. Yes. So how much greater should our confidence be than the mother of the Maccabees? And yeah. hmm. um, the mother of the Maccabees especially, but all the Maccabean brothers were very influential figures for early Christian martyrs. They um, imitate them. They're referred to, uh, such as in the story of the martyrs of Leon of Vienne, which I know we have an episode on that I did. Um, they refer to Blandina as like the Maccabean martyr in that story. Hmm. Um, in Origin of Alexandria, third century Christian writers, little uh, exhortation to martyrdom, he retells the entire story uh, of the Maccabees as a kind of like fortification for Christian mindset about, about martyrdom. So this is a really important story hmm. for Christians who see these Old Testament saints who, again, did this without the promise of Christ's resurrection. And so now they have not only the doctrine of creation, but also know know for a fact that God can raise the dead uh, because uh, they know about the resurrection of Christ, how much more confidence they should have in their martyrdom. Yes. And today how even more courageous and fearless we also should be in entering into that potential invitation for martyrdom. Yeah. And like, I mean, hopefully most of us will not be called to red martyrdom, although who knows what the Lord has in store. But if we think about this willingness to give up material goods, because this is just created by God, it's God's. Mm -hmm. So if a mother can say, well, a child's not even mine because I didn't create the elements in him, how much less tightly should we hold on to our possessions? Because it's easy to say that we can live out like spiritually the evangelical councils, Mm -hmm. like poverty, chastity, obedience, and obviously people in different states of life live those things out easily. But I think like the rubber really meets the road when you're asked to give up your possessions or Mm -hmm. lose them. Mm -hmm. It's like if your house burns down, are you just like, oh, whatever? Yes. Where is your treasure? Or where? (laughs) Right? Because if if we can't get to that point, would we be able to do what the Maccabees did and forfeit even our own lives? Mm -hmm. If you can't forfeit a little bit of money for the sake of your parish or you can't forfeit some food for the sake of fasting Mm -hmm. or, and all of those practices really are meant to make us martyrs, Hmm. make us become less and less attached to the things of this world because all of us are going to be asked to give our lives. We will all die. (laughs) Unless you're the Blessed Virgin Mary, (laughs) you're going to die. Uh, And so God is going to ask you to give up your own life. And so life is a process of learning to detach ourselves uh, and have a healthy attitude of use towards the things of the world, but understand like, this stuff isn't mine. Mm -hmm. After I'm dead, my house is going to be sold 
and the earth doesn't care that I once claimed to own this little plot. Yes. Like, and it, that house will fall into ruins and this country will be ruled by other people. Yeah. Uh, and to have that, to always kind of have that perspective in mind is essential to the Christian faith because Christ is the first martyr and we're called to martyrdom and baptism and to that denial of self throughout yes. the whole Christian life. That death to self. That's beautiful. And the reflection as you were talking about the mother, how she... Uh, was so willing to um, give them to God. I was also thinking for all the moms, dads, parents out there, how that just that, once again, sincere reflection of every child is truly a gift from God, uh, not something, you know, that you're entitled to or it's a pure gift. Um, and then I was right. also thinking of mother and fathers who have children with religious vocations um, to truly be able to like surrender that child um, yeah, to, to God as well. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I love, I just like love the storytelling in this, how she says like, have pity on me. I bore you for nine months. Like I <laughs> yeah. weaned you for three years. And you think she's going to say don't like, trip. don't leave me. Mm -hmm. But she says like, even I, like you were in my body and I don't know where you came from. Like I didn't make your soul. Yeah. I didn't make your flesh and bones. And so like, I, I know better than you that you belong to God. Mm -hmm. um, and yep. that's just, that's a very powerful witness. I think as parents, that's a pretty difficult thing to say. Like, mm. I think we all have to reach a point like you're a creature with free will. Like I actually, <laughs> I don't own you. Mm. I can't control you. And yes. I have to just pray for you. you yes. Know? Yes. And we're like, where did you come from? Yeah. But yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Any other thoughts? That was tons of spiritual application in our life. Um, no, I like others. really love the story of the Maccabees. I yes. hope that you're at a daily mass one day where you hear it yeah. read in full from the lectern. I think it's an extremely powerful story to hear uh, read aloud. So yeah, if you haven't read it in a while, go back and read it. Read it to your kids and meditate on the beauty of the Maccabean martyrs. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. And the Maccabean martyrs, pray for us. Thank you for being a dedicated listener to the Catholic Saints podcast. Your support truly uplifts us. For those seeking additional thought-provoking content, go to formed.org. It's a platform brimming with resources, including insightful videos that align seamlessly with our podcast's themes. If you're finding value in our podcast, please consider taking a moment to leave us a review. Your feedback serves as a cornerstone for our growth and outreach.